0: So my dad's kind of mean to me. My dad came to the nine o'clock service and there was uh, there's a lot of people and he's like, is there a guest speaker today or something? And I was like, sweet dad, sweet. Just me. I, uh, let's just relax. Let's just have some fun. Okay. I thought it'd be fun to have a fun church service. If you're new, people are like intimidated by church and different things, new year, new you, all these different things, blah, 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 whatever. So we're just going to chill. It's going to be a fun service. It's going to be, I'm going to have some challenges, but we're going to do some really cool things. I don't want to surprise it yet, but I, we'll do it in a second. But I thought it'd be fun to start out with some, some random facts, if that sounds cool. And we might be able to do one of them, but we'll, we'll see. If not, then it's whatever. Somebody messed with my phone. Anyways, so I was going to do some random statistics. And I know people, the cynical people in the room, are going to be like, oh, statistics are made up. People make up what angle, what, what's your resource my resources, like the top 20 statistics that are funny on cracked.com. So don't, don't hold too much weight with this, people. You can calm yourselves. But anyways, it's gonna be fun. So these are just some fun statistics. Like one, yeah, I didn't know this. I thought this to be true. Maybe it was because I just thought it was. But if you flip a coin 100 times, what do you think? That close to 50-50 or 49, 48 or whatever, but it actually says that only 8% of the time that you do that. If everyone in this room flipped a coin 100 times, only 8% of the time would you actually get heads 50 times and tails 50 times. That was interesting. If not, maybe not. Here's another one. So, birthdays. So, if there are 367 people in the room, which I don't think there are, I don't know, maybe at the balcony there are. There's somebody, if there's 360 in the room, there's a guaranteed 100% chance that one other person has the same birthday as you. Isn't that crazy? And if there's 60 people in the room, there's a 99% chance that somebody has a birthday. Who has a January birthday? Raise your hand. Any of you guys have the same birthday? You don't know. You don't remember each other in your life. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Uh, and if there's 23 people, it's a 50-50 chance. Here's another one. This is kind of a morbid one, but it's, it's t- I'm trying to give you guys peace and comfort in the new year. You are more likely, statistically, to get hit by an asteroid than to be in a terrorist attack. So, calm, see? Good. So, look to the skies. Look to the skies. Because it's a dangerous place. So, let's do another statistic. But to be more fun, let's do this. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to be a little awkward, whatever it's okay. So, I wanted to do something that I thought would be really fun. It's called a reverse offering. You guys know what that is? Well, basically, we're going to have the ushers come and give you stuff. So you give me stuff. Not that you give me stuff, anyways. But it's for church. All right. So we're gonna do that. Where are the, where are the people? Where are the ushers? Are they here? Great. 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 Hurry, hurry, hurry. We don't have long. All right. So you're gonna get candy bars. Only take one. You greedy people. They're big. They're full size. Just take one. You can take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. Take whatever. There's candy. Pick whatever you want. There's candy. Pass it down. Pass it down. Pass it down. Take whatever you want. And you can keep it. Don't eat it yet. Just relax. Be patient. You can eat it later. But don't just go crinkle the paper during my sermon. That's gonna frustrate me. But it's candy. And if you don't want it, take it anyways, please, because it's for an illustration. And then you could give it to somebody else. Or if there's a cute girl that you're looking at, give it to her. My grandma gave it to a lady because of the illustration. We'll talk about it. But it's fun. Just take a piece of candy. It's candy. If anybody's on a diet, I'm apologizing. But... Come on. Come on. We're only on row three. All right. Maybe I'll do, let me look at some more statistics while we're just talking. Um, one out of every 2,000 babies is born with a tooth. <laughs> I didn't expect it to take this long, so we're just going to keep going. Mm, I can't do that one. It's about Russian roulette. Nope. Ooh, you have a one in 11.5 million chance of getting attacked by a shark. Which is more, you're more likely to get attacked by a shark than win Powerball. You are more like, this is interesting. Anybody's birthday today? Is anybody's birthday? Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday, you are more likely to die on your birthday than any other day. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Sorry, I missed paintball. Uh, uh, If you live in the United States, you have one chance in 3,000 of being struck by lightning at some point during your life. However, if you happen to be that unluckily, has anybody been struck by lightning? Okay, cool. Uh, You have a 90% chance of surviving the event, but you still have to live with the fact that you've been struck by lightning. Where are we at? Has everybody got bars yet? Man, I oh only got 25 minutes, people, for this sermon. Gonna have to cut some stuff out. All right. Well, then I'll tell you another fun thing. Uh, raise your hand if you got engaged yesterday. Hey! See, I told you the service was gonna be fun. I didn't plan for this taking this long. I know I'm sorry, these people uh, most of them are crunch bars. Just take a crunch bar, okay If you're hoping for a payday, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun. No,' I feel like double the size. I'm glad I have enough candy. I hope I have enough candy. I mean. Uh, Dan, tell us a joke or something, I don't know. Just start throwing them at people. Yeah, just throw, throw them at people. Yeah, let's start. All right, we're good. All right, cool. All right, so this is how we're gonna do it. This is I thought it'd be fun. So you know our culture has, is radically in debt. I don't know if you know this. So our consumer debt as a culture has gone up $11.2 billion from 2016 to 2017. That means like credit card debt, different things like that. Our consumer debt, we have just passed for the first time a trillion dollars in rotating debt for our culture. That means out of the 368 million million Americans, we're at $1 trillion in debt with consumer debt. Now, what's even crazier, sorry students, is that it's gone up $55 billion for student debt, that we actually have $2.8 trillion in student debt as a society. I know, not the B word, not the M word, the T word. Trillions of dollars in debt, and it's continuing to rise, and everyone in our culture is kind of continuing to grab more debt. We have not been in this much debt. We're actually just past as much debt as we did in 2008 with the kind of the burst when we had that big financial crisis, and the markets crashed, and all these things. We are now surpassing that amount of debt with this year, which is, is crazy. So let's do something that will be fun. Who's got a payday? Stand up if you've got a payday. Payday, 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 payday people, payday people. All right, so you guys, you guys are special. All right, so the payday people make up about 2% of America, which is pretty accurate for the room. 2% of the room, 2% of America. You guys are millionaires. Statistically, you have budgets of your money. You've saved your money. You, are, you started off early. You're millionaires. Like Dave Ramsey said, most millionaires, 90% of millionaires this day and age, started out with it they didn't inherit it so you guys are the, the millionaires so we're going to talk about what kind of people need to talk to them in a second so you guys can, can sit down so 100 grand where are the 100 grands 100 grands 100 grands okay okay 100 grands you guys are not millionaires you're kind of like thousandaires, 100,000aires you represent 10% of America you have you pay for your cars in cash you have emergency fund you have all these different things You're quickly paying down your household. You have tons of margin. That's kind of who you guys are. You are the 100 granders. So everyone else, you can sit down. Everyone else, you need to talk to one of the payday people or the 100 granders, because it's about to get worse. All right, so we're the zero bars. We're the zero bars. Stand up, zero bars. Oh, man, zero bars. You're about 12% of America. Now, you are in debt. You are filing bankruptcy, or you've already filed bankruptcy, and it's not looking good. It would take you 193 months to pay off your credit card debt and your other debt, just paying the minimum payment right now. So, sorry. (laughs) You guys can sit down. All right, so let's go. Who's next? Let's see who's next. Let's go. Milk Duds. We're the Milk Duds. Stand up, Milk Duds. Milk Duds. All right, you are just, you're 2% of America. You are just like the zero bars, but add $100,000 in debt. You guys are desperate. You guys, like, sorry, there's like no hope for you guys. You could try bankruptcy maybe, or just start over. So so that together, the the Milk Duds and the zero bars, they make up 16% of our culture. Now, Crunch Bars, stand up, Crunch Bars. Yeah. Crunch bar life. Got some crunch bars in the balcony. This is 70% of America. They live paycheck to paycheck. you got $30,000 in consumer debt, be it a car, be it a credit card. Uh, if you pay the month, minimum payment, it will take you uh, around 70 months to pay off your debt. You it take you three months to save $1,000 for an emergency fund. Like. If anything major happens in your life right now, a $10,000 bill, a car breaks down, you lose your job for more than two months, you, you guys are going to be in trouble. So you guys just sit down. If you do not distract me during my sermon, you're more than welcome to start eating your candy bars. Um, but the, this is the truth. So, so if you add the 16% plus the 70%, We're talking 86% of America is struggling with finances. And I want us to talk about that, and I want us to understand it in a different way. I want us to look at Scripture. We're looking at Luke 19, 12 through 27, and we're going to look at the parable of the talents. But the point of this, the point of this illustration, the point of the candy, for you guys to remember this, our job as a church, my responsibility as a pastor this year is to help you to break your chains. And this is just a symptom of a real issue. Finances is a symptom of a real different issue. It could be pride, it could be lust, it could be anger, it could be whatever it is. But finances is just a symptom. We're attacking symptoms to get to the root of the problem. And we're going to start with finances. We're going to go through prayer and how to break the chains of being isolated. We're going to continue into marriage. We're going to do a lot of things. Our responsibility, my hope this year, is for us to break a ton of chains. And it's so hard because when we talk about finances, it freaks us out. It's easier for me to talk to you guys about pornography or, 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 or something like that than it is when we start dealing with your finances because it, it has such a hold on our culture, on our lives. You would rather talk to me about your marriages, about your anger, about your job than it, when it says, hey, let me see, let me see your bank account. Because we, even, we lie about it. We like, like, we're going to do an anonymous thing during FPU, and people even lie on the anonymous thing because they're embarrassed about their finances. And the whole point of this sermon and this idea is for us just not to miss God. How many of you would like to be more generous? And I'm not talking about giving to the church. Maybe it's to your friends, to your family, to your kids, to whatever. Just a heart of generosity. I've seen it in my own life where I've not been able to do some of the things that maybe God's calling me to do because of finances. I've been not. I've thought twice before I helped somebody because I could really use that to pay gas. And I feel like we as a culture are missing where God wants us to engage and to be. And it's the same that Jesus met tangible needs before he met spiritual needs. Dave Ramsey said this, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with it, but I think that he should have expounded on this. You giving somebody a car, yeah, it might help them, it might encourage them, it might do that, but it's not breaking their, it might break some of their their cycle of debt and all these different things, but it's not breaking the chains that, that sin has. They're not free from sin. You being financially secure doesn't mean squat if you don't know Jesus. Without Jesus, it's pointless. There's billionaires. And millionaires, there's millionaires in Savannah. There's billionaires in our culture. And it doesn't mean that because they have money that they're, they're, everything is good or that they're not slaves to it. The point of this is not just to get you financially secure and free. Or si, si, bleh, financially free and secure. It's about breaking the addiction we have to the power that money has or perceived power that money has. So we're going to look at Luke. Luke 19, 12-27, it's the parable of the talents. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So it's a practical story. that's very easy for us to understand, but there's a meaning behind it that's spiritual. It's with any story that we read. It's the, the parable of the sower, the prodigal son, all these different stories. They're earthly stories. Like a son went away and squandered his dad's wealth, and he came back, and his dad loved him, and then there was an older son that was jealous. And it's like, oh, that's a great story. No, it's about God the Father loving us and caring for us. And it's the same with this. So if we look at it at face value, it comes across a little weird and a little like, hey, it's all about money, 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 money. It is at face value, but I want to look at it from a spiritual aspect as well. So Luke 19, 12, starting in verse 12, Jesus is about to do the triumphal entry. It's kind of the end of his kind of preaching a sermon message, and this is what he says. He said, therefore... A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus or ten talents. Some say it's gold or whatever. Just think a million dollars. He gives them all a million dollars. Everyone gets a million dollars. And he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received... Having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. First came to him saying, Lord, your money, your Midas had given me, I've made ten times more. And he said to them, well done, good servant. Because of your faithfulness and very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came to him, Lord, you've given me this money, and I've made five times. And he said to him, and you will have reign over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your money that you gave me. I didn't gain any, I didn't lose any, which I keep and I laid and I hid in a handkerchief. Matthew says he buried it. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put your money in a bank and coming back could have collected interest? And he said to those who stood by, take that money from him and give it to the one who has 10. And they said, Lord, but he has 10. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but who does not have even what he has is taken away. For the enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, he slaughtered them. Simple, simple thing to understand. Man comes, lots of money, gives it to three people, Two, invest, bring money back. One, doesn't gain or lose, but the nobleman's angry. So what's the story? Invest your money in Merrill Lynch, make as much as you can, and use it however you see fit, or give it to God, give it to the church, or do whatever you want. That's what the story says, right? Not at all. (laughs) You could give all your money to the church to this day, and it doesn't give you an ounce of credit in the eyes of God. Because that's not what this is about. What this is about, that God has given each and every one of us the ability, gifts, and talents to do something. Time, resources, our lives. God has created us in his image to be ambassadors for him. And in and through him, we now have the ability to bring people into that relationship. You see, yes, he's talking about money, and we're talking about money. It's because what we understand It's what we hold is most valuable. If I gave you all a million dollars right now, it'd be a lot better than a candy bar. And you would start to feel that grip that you've had on it. I've done that illustration before where I gave somebody $100, and then I took it back. And for some reason, they were angry and anxious. Why? You didn't have it beforehand. You weren't expecting it. But once something that you perceived as yours was taken, you freak out. And God has given us this ability and these resources and finances, and he doesn't want us to squander them. Now, there's a lot of people in here, and I want to make this clear, not in here, there's a lot of people in our culture that could be billionaires, and they're still one-talent people. It's not fully about money, it's how we glorify God with what he's given us. And that's my hope for this season as a church, as a body of believers, as, as we move forward towards Christ, that Yes, some of you are 10 talent people. Some of you are five talent people. But according to statistics, 70%, if not more, when it comes to finances, we're one talent people. God has given us gifts and abilities and finances and jobs and things to do. And all we're doing is sitting on it, just hoping that we'll make it through. That I'll make it to next week, I'll make it to next year. And 60 years goes by. And we have nothing to show for ourselves. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm saying that I believe, I know it in my own life. I'm 30 years old. I know it in my own life that because of debt, that I miss opportunities that God has for me. And we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to talk about our debt. We can be more vulnerable about other things, but it takes humility for us to talk about debt. Because what you're doing is you're laying at saying, I don't have it all together that I don't fully understand, or that I can manage this. That's the thing for me, I think, and I process when it comes to being, like, when it comes to my spiritual life, when it comes to finances, I'm always like, I can manage this. I don't need, God, hey, take care of my marriage, take care of my kids, take care of my spiritual life, my sin, my my addictions, whatever, take care of all that, but hey, just, hey, kind of stay away from my finances. I know you provide me with a job, and you provide me with these things, and I appreciate it. Thank you, but I can manage that. I am smart enough. I am strong enough. I have enough willpower that yeah. You know what? I don't buy. I mean, I buy if I'm going to buy next because I buy on clearance. You know, if I'm going to buy a car, I'm going to buy a used car. It's going to be two years used, but not you know, but it's used. Like you know what I mean? I, I feel like we can manage this. And then when God says, "Hey, I need you to go to Burma." and preach the gospel, or hey, I want you to go on a mission trip, or hey, I want you to do this, or I need you to do this, or hey, there's somebody that's coming with you who's broken and has a need that you could meet, but you've chosen not to. And see, what we do is we begin to say, we compartmentalize our lives and say, God, you can can look at this, you can touch this, but you need to stay out of and then when the church or when, when your pastor comes to say, hey, look, why can't we look at this over here? Don't touch that. That's mine. It's kind of like we're all like Smeagol. We turn into Smeagol in the moment. And you're like, this is my precious, my precious. When we start to talk about these things. No, like, listen, the church doesn't want your money. We don't. I don't want your money. My, my, it doesn't, my, my income doesn't go up and down based on, how you feel, or any of these things. That's not what it's about. I want the same thing that Christ wants. He wants your heart. If you're generous and it's not with the church, that's, I, that doesn't bother me. Because what Christ wants is a heart of generosity, but what we've done statistically is that Satan has stifled our generosity as a culture. The 86% of us cannot be generous, or at least the way that we want to be. We can't, we can't, We can't care for the widows and the orphans and the poor, the least of these. You see, we have to attack these symptoms. These are symptoms of a greater problem and a greater issue, which is that I deserve that. I deserve that coat. I deserve that jacket. I deserve those things. I deserve a car. I need it. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. What we need is Christ, but we can't seem to fulfill our desires with Him alone. And I'm speaking for myself, like, yes, Christ is enough, Christ is enough, Christ is enough, but I want that too. And we do this constantly. And I'm not saying that you need to walk around barefoot with tattered clothes. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if Christ asks you to lay something down, will you? When, 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 when Paul talks about counting everything as rubbish, as garbage, What does he mean by that? Does he mean that you have to give up everything and walk out of this room with nothing? No, that's not what it means. What it means is that if God asks you to give something up, will you? Do you have to give your car away? No. But if he asks you to, will you? That's what this is about. The parable is this, because we, have to, we always talk about God's merciful and just and loving, and he is. But with his justice, there's wrath. And I, I, I'm sorry if this is, offends you. Uh, not really sorry, but I have to say that so it makes you feel better. Like, there's heaven and there's hell. And then, listen, heaven is a byproduct of Jesus. It's not the ultimate end. I'm not saying you need to believe in Christ so you get this, and you don't get this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that because of who Christ is and his mercies, we get to spend eternity with him. And that's what he's saying. Hey, you wicked servants, you who don't want Christ to reign in your life, you who don't want God, who you could think you can do it better on your own. Hey, this is my kingdom. Don't step in that. This is my area. Don't engage in that. That's the one where he's like, hey, bring them to me so I can slaughter them. You have to understand God in His mercy and His justice and His love, He's offering all of us something. You see, it takes humility for us to be accountable for our finances, but it takes Christ to change our hearts. It takes Christ to change your heart. We have callous, hard, stony hearts. And maybe you don't when it comes to loving the the widows and the orphan and the poor and social justice and serving in different ministries, but there might be this little calcified area when it comes to finances. And what Christ wants to do is he wants to take our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh so we can care and be compassionate. Everyone in this room, I'm just saying this, it's a hyperbole, but I believe it. Everyone in this room, if you had infinite resources of money, my, my hope is that you would be more generous. I believe you would be more generous. Maybe not to the extent of infinite resources, but more generous than you are now. And Christ wants to give that to us. Not He wants to give us money. Please don't hear me say, this isn't health and wealth and prosperity. What He's saying is, I've bestowed on you this resource, this gift. And I want you to manage it well so that you are no longer a slave to debt, Because you can't serve two masters. And this one has engaged you and said, hey, this is what it's about. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, this is one of the chains that we have to break. There's more chains that we're coming up on. There's prayer. There's marriage. There's all these different things that we're going to talk about throughout the year. But this is something we have to break as a culture. Unless we're radically different than the rest of the world and there's only 40% of you are crunch bars, it's still a major issue. It's one of the prevailing issues in our culture and in our church. And if you're a non-believer, if you don't believe in Jesus as a bunch of hocus-pocus, this is the most free you're going to feel ever being financially free. But it's still nowhere near what it means to be a follower of Christ. So my hope is that one, this service was fun and engaging, but also challenging. That as you eat your candy bars, you take it home, as you do whatever, that you remember that said, God wants more for my life. He doesn't want us to be one talent people. He wants us to be five and 10 and 60 and 30 talent people. He wants us to be a people They know, how do they know that we're believers in Christ? By our love, by our generosity, by we care. Jesus met physical needs. He did. He healed the leper, the blind man, the crippled. Emotionally, he healed people. The Samaritan woman, the the, the prostitute, he healed people. He met a physical or emotional, tangible need. More often than not, I'd say 90% of the time, if not 100% of the time, Jesus met a tangible need. He fed the five thousand. Then he engaged spiritually, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to meet a tangible. You have a need. I, Grant Roskoviak, have a need. I have to get out of debt. You have to get out of debt. If they're making me get out of debt, you gotta get out of debt. <laughs> and we're gonna get out to get a debt together. And what you choose to do after that is up to you. But for me, I know that it's gonna give me an opportunity to love my family better, It's to love my children better. Think about this. You can go anywhere in the world on a vacation with your family. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're, there's some strife between you and your kids. Whatever it is. Maybe you're a college kid and your, your school is super stressful because your professors are jerks, I don't know. And you can go on a trip anywhere you wanna go no stress. You don't have to worry about paying for it. You don't have to worry about the credit card debt you're going to go on. You don't have to worry about that. It's just a small, small sliver of what it means to be free in Christ. What if your sister or your brother walks up to you and says, hey, I can't afford my, my treatment. I'm having cancer treatment. And you say, you know what? Because of God's grace, I'm able to take care of that for you. Or, or you name it. You name it. See, it's not about just money and this and this and that. It's about us being who God called us to be. And he created us to be generous. And what we've done is stifled that by our own greed and pride. I have myself have done it. And I know all the Crunch Bar people have done it too. But it doesn't matter. Because if you have a million dollars and you're selfish and greedy, like Christ hasn't transformed your heart you could still be a one-talent person and have a payday in your pocket. See, money isn't the issue, it's you. And Christ wants to transform that. And if you're not a believer, it's a great opportunity for you to be free, at least to experience, maybe hopefully that will point you towards Jesus. The freedom that you have in finances is going to show you a glimmer of the freedom you have in Jesus. But for those of you who are in Christ, don't worry. It's our responsibility to be good stewards, but at the end of the day, you're free in Christ that's what we have to look forward to is day in and day out spending eternity with christ and you know heaven is a symptom of what we get now which is a relationship with jesus and that's what that's what excites me and that's what we're going to talk about but let's break some of these chains so we can walk closer and closer to him day by day let's pray father i thank you for the the opportunity we have to to come and just have some fun and to talk and but talk about a serious issue. Lord, we struggle. I struggle. Lord, there's things that I like that I want that I think I need that all these different things. Lord, and I, I know that there's a different issue. It's not that I can't afford it. It's not that I shouldn't buy it. It's not those. The food, the clothes, the cars, whatever it is. In some form or facet, I'm trying to fill a place that you have. I'm trying to mask a desire that can be filled by Christ. I'm trying to fulfill a need that only you can fulfill. Lord, I'm trading steak for dog food. Lord, I pray that as I walk closer to you, I begin to see the reality of what it means to be secure in Christ, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Not Jesus plus a nice job, Jesus plus a car, Jesus plus whatever. Even if I believe that as my life, there's moments I forget. Lord, I pray for freedom. these things in Jesus' name, amen.